0: Hi, everyone. It's Megan, and you're listening to a Better Product Original Series. There's something exciting and genuine about a founder who experiences a problem for herself or himself and sets out to solve it for a larger group of people. And we call this in the startup world, founder market fit, when a founder is really a great fit for the market and the problem that they're trying to solve. Liz Burstein had a problem. She struggled with chronic pain for years, but had trouble accessing quality care. Unfortunately, I was afflicted
1: with a really bad chronic pain uh, syndrome that I still suffer from today. I actually was just at the uh, radiology lab, and it exposed me to a lot of issues in finding great specialty care. One is really around access. It's very hard to access these particular specialty types because there's not that many of them. And the other is quality. So because oftentimes you're making an appointment and you may be making it today and getting it eight months or nine months down the road, you're forced to pack in a lot of pain and suffering you've been experienced for many months. And it's often recency bias. It's often not the best, most accurate representation of everything you've been going through. You're asked questions like, you know, what makes your pain better what makes your headaches worse at what are the triggers? What types of reliefs are working for you and not working? And what are the side effects? And those are all questions that are much
0: easier for people to answer in real time. So Liz brings a unique experience in both product and health, allowing her to dig deep into the way that technology can impact the macro issues facing our healthcare system. Today, she achieves this through her product, NeuroHealth, which connects patients with painful neurological conditions like migraines with the experts who can solve them. I was really inspired by what, what you can do as a product manager and understanding
1: a pain point, deeply understanding a problem, and then harnessing the creativity of a team of designers and engineers and analysts to go after that problem with a product. And the beautiful thing about software products is the scale that, that you can deliver by just designing a great user workflow or designing a piece of technology
0: that connects someone to a physician more easily. You can really impact millions of people. Liz covers a lot of important topics surrounding our healthcare system and how tech can tackle them and create a system to actually evaluate success. Let's get into the conversation.
2: Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Liz Burstein, the co-founder and CEO of Nura Health. Thank you for joining the show.
1: Thank you for, for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to share more about us.
2: Yes. I'm excited to hear too. And this is definitely your show, but I think I mentioned this to you when I reached out to you that there's definitely a personal side for me. I don't get that many migraines. I get them, but my wife gets them a lot. So this is uh, really interesting to hear what you're all, what you're doing for neurological issues. But I guess I've already like jumped too far ahead. Let me back up and have you tell us what Neura Health is.
1: So Neura is a venture back startup with a mission to improve access and quality of care for neurological conditions. We started Neura last October. Based off of our personal experiences and pain points with different neurological conditions, I personally, starting in March 2020, right around when the pandemic hit, unfortunately was afflicted with a really bad chronic pain uh, syndrome that I still suffer from today. I actually was just at the uh, radiology lab. And it exposed me to a lot of issues in finding great specialty care. One is really around access. It's very hard to access these particular specialty types because there's not that many of them. And the other is quality. So because oftentimes you're making an appointment and you may be making it today and getting it eight months or nine months down the road, you're forced to pack in a lot of pain and suffering you've been experienced for many months. And it's often recency bias. It's often not the best, most accurate representation of everything you've been going through. You're asked questions like, you know, what makes your pain better? What makes your headaches worse? What are the triggers? What types of reliefs are working for you and not working? And what are the side effects? And those are all questions that are much easier for people to answer in real time. When we have phones that we carry around with us for most of the day, it's much easier for us to keep a pain diary, keep a headache diary. And so we built Neuro with this vision that we could give you a really robust symptom tracker. And then with the click of one button, allow you to share that remotely with a neurologist in our network. So far we've raised uh, 2 million in seed funding from really great investors. Some of our investors include Next Play Ventures, which is the fund of uh, former LinkedIn CEO, Jeff Wiener. I used to work for LinkedIn. Um, another is Index Ventures, and Norwest Venture Partners, which uh, they invested in Calm and Talkspace. So today we're really focused on migraine as our first condition that we're really building a specific experience around. But our next mm-hmm. ones that we're expanding into include epilepsy, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, and several others. Yeah, we're, it's a huge problem. 40 million Americans suffer from chronic headaches and migraines, and we're really excited to, to tackle it and improve the access gap.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. So I have a lot of follow-up questions, but I I think before I dive into Nura more details around the mission that you're on there, I'd love to hear a little bit about how your background in products led to maybe the way that you thought you could try to this problem.
1: I fell in love with product at LinkedIn. I was there for four years. I led product for bunch of features on the recruiter side, and I worked on LinkedIn.com, the homepage. And I feel really humbled to have learned from some of the best product thinkers in the Valley and beyond. I was really inspired by what, what you can do as a product manager and understanding a pain point, deeply understanding a problem, and then harnessing the creativity of a team of designers and engineers and analysts to go after that problem with a product. And the beautiful thing about software products is the scale that, that you can deliver by just designing a great user workflow or designing a piece of technology that connects someone to a physician more easily. You can really impact millions of people with very thoughtful thinking around how these products should be built and what they look like and how they're interacted with. So after my time at LinkedIn, I wanted to learn more about the broader set of company strategy, and so I joined a venture capital firm on San Hill Road and learned a ton about how investors think about not just building, you know, scalable products, but scalable companies. Ultimately, I missed product, so I decided to come back to the operating side. And most recently, I led product at the Maven Clinic. It's a virtual health clinic for women. And before that, I led product as a doc. I worked on their enterprise products which are designing a more consumer-friendly front door for hospitals and health systems. So I, I really fell in love with digital health products the past five years. And a lot of this was trying to take that passion for product and kind of marry that with making an impact in healthcare, which I'm sure many can agree that there's so many opportunities to improve healthcare. It's one of the most fundamental rights and experiences of us as human beings. And there's a lot to improve in our healthcare system. So yeah, I'm currently with Neura. I see it as taking my own patient experience, some of my product experience, and my digital health kind of domain knowledge, and marrying those to make an impact in the space.
2: How much did your background was something like so? Definitely the product background, easy to see from Maven Clinic. I was looking at them before this, and in connecting that to what you're doing now, and it seems Maven seems really focused on empowering women in, and there was a really particular focus on empowering a group of, of people that might have challenges that are not being served. How much did that affect the lens that you brought over to, to starting Neura?
1: Yeah, it certainly had a huge impact on me. I think both Doc and Maven, I learned a lot about the opportunities to improve access, healthcare workflows, a lot of the operational challenges of running a clinic, obviously different condition sets. So Maiden's very focused on maternal health outcomes and all the different paths to parenthood, which is another big area of opportunity, is improving access to care for gestational diabetes, infertility issues. So these are all massive conditions and they do have similarities in fragmentation of healthcare. is quite a challenge. Access is a challenge. Finding affordable care is a challenge, but Maven's a little different in not just the condition, but also distribution channels. So they're very focused on employer distribution. Currently, Nura is direct to consumer. So we essentially sell directly in places like the App Store, Facebook, Google, and many other channels. And uh, we may end up expanding to employers at a later point in time. But yeah, I learned a ton there and it was definitely played a role in inspiration for this business.
2: So you've mentioned this word a few times. I want to make sure uh, I understand what you mean by it. But you've talked about issues with access. Can you explain more about when, with regards to headaches, migraines, and the, the future for neuro? What do you mean by improving the access to care there?
1: So access is a huge problem in many of these conditions, but particularly in neurology. There is a massive undersupply of specialists. There's just not enough uh, neurologists to serve the demand of people with uh, neurological conditions so in the u.s there's under 10,000 neurologists and each of them would have to see 10 times the number of patients that they currently see in order for patients to be able to get care in a reasonable time frame so what that ends up affecting is care and a lot of times when you're having a debilitating Um, neurological condition, even if it's a headache, if it's struggling with cog fog from MS, that's just too long to wait. And so what ends up happening is some people just don't get care and they suffer. Others go to urgent care or the ER where they're not really equipped to deal with these conditions in the right way. And others try to go to their primary care doctor and get put on really high uh, doses of ibuprofen, Advil. And again, it's just not the right Specialty type for that condition. The access problem really just stems from this mismatch of supply demand that's really pronounced in this particular condition area.
2: Necessarily, you're not uh, creating a, a platform to create more neurologists. So how does Neura help solve that sort of statistical problem that, that there is of, of undersupply of specialists?
1: The way we're talking that is by building a product that makes these neurologists more efficient. And so in the typical neurology appointment, a lot of neurologists, even to this day, are doing a you know very traditional intake. Some of it's still on pen and paper. Some of it's on Microsoft Word. But it's a pretty lengthy questionnaire around history of present illness. Tell me about your headaches. What makes them better? What makes them worse? Tell me about your triggers. And firstly, it's just inefficient because it's obviously taking their time that they could otherwise spend in another appointment helping more patients. But not only is it inefficient, but it's also just not the best way we can be collecting accurate data from someone. And I've experienced this many times myself. I have walked into an appointment with a chronic pain specialist and asked the same old questions over and over. And um, I ended up building a Google Sheet to track uh, my pain really diligently and how it correlates with diet and hydration and stress and exercise. And I brought this sheet into my pain management specialist He didn't have the tool set to do anything with that data. I really wanted him to take this data and help me faster and more effectively. When I did that, I said, what if we had an app that allowed us to record this asynchronously and then a provider-side product that effectively summarized the data so the clinician can instantly see what's going on and really get the right level of you know, product-assisted diagnosis so the appointment's more efficient. The quality of data being gathered is better. And the better data you can give someone, the better decision they can make. That's really how we're driving uh, efficiency for this access problem.
2: That makes a lot of sense. I think... When you're talking about, you know, even your personal challenges, I think with my wife has suffered from debilitating migraines that last weeks uh, at times. And what I've learned from that experience was if I hadn't been married to her and seen this happen and what you're talking about, I would never have imagined there's even a problem. I've had migraines that are very situational. they will go away within 24 hours and I just rest. And then you take some Excedrin and all that. But what I've witnessed and more what you're talking about is something more serious and debilitating. Where I'm going with this is it seems to me one of the challenges must be that a lot of people don't recognize that these are actually issues and that they might be not necessarily misdiagnosed, but just misperceived. And my wife Every time we talked about migraines of people, they all had their remedies like, oh, take some cetera and do it's Like, no, like you don't understand. It's way more in depth than that. How much does that type of, I wouldn't say stigma, but maybe just like education and understanding factors into the work that you have to do as well?
1: Oh, that's a huge piece of it. So we see people who know they have migraine or know they have vestibular migraine or a certain type of headache. And we see a lot of people who they're not even sure, does my occasional headache, fall into the category of migraine? Is it something that's serious? So we we do help with understanding that kind of frontline question. There are actually over 150 different types of headaches. And so we have Mm -hmm. a very robust quiz and intake that we built in collaboration with our our medical director, who's a, a renowned headache specialist at NYU Langone. And we built this purposefully to help someone who's diagnosed, but also someone who's not sure and it was really important for us to build that and have it in front of our product so people can really assess, is this virtual headache clinic a fit for them? Is this virtual migraine clinic a fit for them? That's a question we, we hear a lot, and it's a, a big, important one for us to be able to assist with, not just um, to help people get better, but also to, to make an honest calculus of, you know, can our product help them? Is it the right fit for them?
2: That makes a lot of sense and got me thinking, you know, so as you're using this product, how do you judge its effectiveness? Like, How, how can you tell that Neura is working?
1: Ultimately, uh, we ask a lot of questions that hit on outcomes. So the two buckets, there are outcomes metrics and engagement metrics. So digging in a little further to outcomes, this is something that unfortunately not many hospitals or healthcare clinics are really recording or even asking about on a continuous basis. Like they have in their EMR, their electronic health records, they have a history of what happened in the visit. But if you were to ask them, how are your patients doing today? This person that just, you know, came in, had their visit, paid their money, left. Do you know if they're better? Are they mm-hmm. suffering? This was critical for us to, to track not just, you know, during the appointment, but continuously. And that's, I think, one of the biggest gaps in our healthcare system is we don't have a lot of providers or provider systems that care to track this or have the right incentives to track it. With Neura, it's our fundamental metric is, are our patients feeling better? And we know this because we're continuously asking about headache frequency, headache severity, triggers of headache, places on your head of where the headaches are. And so that's super important for us. We also ask during our intake, every time you have an actual virtual appointment with one of our doctors, we do collect information about, did you ever have to go to the ER or urgent care? Because ultimately, we believe that by providing this better access, we're reducing the need to go to those those visits. That's the outcomes metrics. And then the other big one, of course, is engagement. You can't really drive outcomes if you don't have engagement. So those are the more kind of traditional retention and frequency of login and
2: metrics. Let's talk about engagement for a minute because you've been at LinkedIn, which is a really easy type of product to understand what engagement means as as the feed has evolved it's more from just this like digital resume that it was over a decade ago to some i don't know it's like the professional's social network now so engagement's easy to understand there in an industry in in an approach that you're taking with migraine tracking Obviously, you hope people are using the app to track their symptoms and look at insights, but are there other ways that you have to think about engagement with an app that's really around a very particular situation?
1: Yeah. So beyond the tracker, which is a big part of um, our engagement, we also have um, unlimited access to your care team, which is comprised of not just the neurologist, but also a care concierge. Our care concierges are there for you administratively, but also emotionally and as headache coaches. So they are the person who's there to fill the gaps that exist in the system, someone who you can really lean on, whether it's, you know, just getting a simple text that's, how are you feeling today? Did that dark room rest help you? There's been a lot of studies which show that simply having someone there to hold you accountable to getting better to feel like you have a partner in effectively finding relief, that's really powerful. And so we do provide that in NERA. We're very thoughtful about how we select these concierges. And that is a huge engagement driver. And the other one for us is content. There's a lot of other studies which have shown the power of education in the realm of headaches and migraines. So while giving you access to a neurologist is really important for so many of these types of headaches, there's a lot you can gain with simple education about behavior modifications. And so we've invested a lot in our, our content, our public blog, our, you know, private blog that's in the app. There's a neuro tip of the day that our patients get. And those are other pillars of engagement.
2: so I'm looking through your site, is shifting gears now because I couldn't help but notice the brand. I don't know what I'd call the aesthetic, maybe botanical. There's uh, like a botanical look to a lot of the soft colors, things like that. And then that just got me thinking, On the site, you mentioned the medical team that you have makes total sense for the consumer side, but I want to maybe step behind the the curtain a little bit and think about how you think about product, the design, encouraging engagement, building the team around that, and and maybe just starting with your product background. How do you craft a, a vision around a digital product to approach a problem?
1: I always start with deep understanding of the problem, right? In this case, we talked a little bit about access beyond just this broader access problem we discovered through market research. We interviewed over 100 neurologists and and over 150 patients. What is the core pain point? What is the core audience? And through those conversations, we saw a lot of themes. We kept hearing over and over how difficult it was to understand your triggers comprehensively because there's so many variables changing in our lives, diet, hydration, stress, temperature, humidity. And these are all big impactors of migraine for a lot of people. So that was really the insight and theme across which we tackled and decided to build a robust tracker. There are trackers on the market, but what's not on the market is a tracker where you can actually do robust insights and then hit a button and share them with a specialist. That was the piece that after those conversations with both sides, neurologists and patients, we found to be a unique solution to this problem because it was really hitting on two pain points and thinking about this problem much more holistically. So, you know, today you might have a tracker that's fragmented and disconnected from your neurologist. And as I saw with my own personal experience with the chronic pain sheet it doesn't help uh, nearly as much as this model does. So that was really the core vision, was to give these patients ideal holistic place where they can manage their, this chronic condition that affects them and is very debilitating in one place and maximize our ability to drive great outcomes in the shortest time possible.
2: Diving even deeper in that, so how important is is the design and, and maybe the brand uh, of Neura on the website and in the product itself? How does that factor into your vision?
1: Yeah, the design is critical, and we're ha- actually uh, redoing our dark mode right now. So one of the simpler pain points with migraine patients is sensitivity to light, and so it was really important for us to make deliberate decisions around lighter colors, calming colors um, that don't affect the headache in the, the wrong way the other aspect I want to mention is the gender uh, component so migraine affects both men and women but it definitely affects women much more than men particularly around uh, menstruation so that's a bit about why our brand up being appeals to both genders but if you had to pick one I would say it steers um, a little more feminine
2: how do you that that makes sense and it, obviously there's the science behind the the sort of gender differences how do you balance those decisions in the brand, even the marketing? So like looking at women featured on the site, little details like that, even yourself talking about that slant, but how do you balance the way that you're messaging and talking when you have a a diverse audience?
1: So a big part of this is diverse medical team. So we're very, we were very deliberate to hire a diverse team across different genders, different ethnicities. Our care concierges are also very diverse and trained up on different patient backgrounds. We do have, uh, I mentioned women are two to three times more likely than men to have migraines, but we do have a healthy volume of males that are getting a lot of benefit from the product. So yeah, so I think because our product is by so many means connective engine towards these specialists and care professionals, we invested a lot in making sure that those team members are well-equipped, and appeal to both genders.
2: So you mentioned the sort of the future, and I, that's where I wanted to to lean into a little bit now. A lot of times when I'm looking at early stage products that have this massive growth potential, and you've talked about Alzheimer's and epilepsy and, and other conditions, I'm always curious how, really, two in two ways. One, how do you think about when the right time is to start to evolve? And two, when you do that, how do you figure out what the core of what you have is that gets repeated? So like in new conditions, new things come up. Some of the things that you might have in the product geared towards migraines maybe aren't as relevant or simple ways, obviously the messaging or site changes, all those sorts of things. One, when do you make that sort of call to expand? And two, how do you make product decisions to figure out how to bring in new things or, or make things, maybe deprecate things in the product?
1: So around your first question around condition expansion, I think it's a great one. So I see these as yes, we're one business, but these are independent business lines. And so we want to, to uh, essentially grow this migraine as its own independent business line with its own lifetime value, it's great unit economics. And as soon as we're able to scale up our team and hire the right sub team to to take care of that and allow us to grow our new business lines in those other condition areas, we'll do that. And so it's very similar to if we're a conglomerate of different companies and the first one is a migraine company and the second is epilepsy, et cetera. We're still early. We just launched the the product a few months ago, but it's scaling up uh, very quickly and validating a lot of the early hypotheses around access problem, particularly in medical deserts. There are some cities where the problem is less pronounced, but quite a lot of zip codes where people are really struggling, like 40-minute drives, some are two-hour two drives. So that's how we think about expansion. The repeatability is a really interesting question. And this is a big one in a lot of our investor conversations. The biggest piece here is the supply side. So there aren't really any large aggregated national neurology clinics. And we have the product side, which we've talked a lot about on this conversation. But there's also a pretty heavy clinical operation side that we spend a lot of time on. And hiring, working with them to build more efficient workflows, licensing them. And this is unique to healthcare. There's a lot of regulatory hurdles around making sure providers are licensed in every state. They can only be matched with patients that are in that state if they have those particular state licenses. So that's a big shared component that we plan to leverage for other conditions. There are elements of these apps that we believe will be similar, but we don't want to make that assumption. We actually think that trying to build a one-size-fits-all product is really the opposite of what we want to do here. We really want to take a user-first, user-research-driven approach where we go deep on that one condition, try to really understand what is it like to be a person who suffers particularly from cluster headaches? Or what is it like to be a senior who suffers from recurring tension headaches? And really build a product around that experience. And so the product Migraine is likely going to look very different than the app we build for other conditions. It may have some shared features around messaging and it may have its own tracker, but that tracker will definitely not look anything like the one we built for Migraine.
2: Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious too, getting back to the, the supply side in different markets, there's one element that I, I want to make sure I capture, which is how are you scaling this today? You said you're scaling fast now and you're going into markets. Can you give us a little bit more around how you scale a product that sort of operates outside the system itself, but still you know, needs physicians and needs to connect to patients?
1: Uh, a lot of really effective direct-to-consumer channels. In addition to the ones we talked about, Facebook and Google, there are a lot of really large migraine support groups and digital communities. we scaled a lot through those. Also, providers who are working in a lot of these medical deserts, whether they be primary care providers or ER providers, oftentimes they don't really know where to send these patients. So they have a patient come to them, they give them that high dose of ibuprofen recommendation or acceptamine recommendation. It's like, all right, what's next? They they know the names of a few neurologists that are a couple hours away, but they also know that those neurologists are booked out till December and this patient needs help now. So those are great, you know, referral opportunities for us, and that's a really important channel for us.
2: This has been really insightful. Uh, I love the focus that you have. And it sounds like you're scaling quite a bit and seeing a lot of success this year. So my my last question for you is what are you most excited about in the next year?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest piece is scaling up this business in different geographies and having that full-fledged experience where we can write the prescription directly. So a lot of these states just have different timelines on clinical operations and having our clinic license there. So I'm very excited to scale up nationally. I'm also, ourselves as a team, we're doing a lot of hiring. We're hiring engineers, designers, operations folks, and so really excited to build out this team. We We pride ourselves on a culture that really emphasizes not just everything in a tech company around perseverance, great design instincts, but also a lot of compassion for for patient experiences and empathies. So our longer term vision of what we're doing here, it's not just about access. It's also about you know, how do you gather this data that's been really siloed in order for us to you know gather a massive data set and really start to see patterns across people who have cluster headaches, who are in their 30s and take this medication, what is the definitive answer on best medication for these people with minimal side effects? These are all really important questions for our medical society to be able to understand. But no one is collecting this outcomes data at scale. And for us as a longer term vision, it's more than just improving access. It's about building up this data set of what we call real world evidence on neurological conditions. And that is really critical to accelerating cures and improving our known relief methods.
2: That's great. So, if I understand it correctly, just from an outsider, it's like years ago, I remember that the EMR. Was this big innovation? And then just based off of that, everything was just going to change. And now, I mean, personally, I have Apple Health and and it's synced to my doctor. And so it keeps, when I get labs done, it syncs with that, which is really great. So those things are all vastly improved. But it sounds like what you're describing is there's actually still a really big gap, which is, first of all, what I just described is not available for everybody. So it's even more siloed than that. But it's not really geared towards the outcomes. It's just factual. There's just data sitting there. It's either siloed or even if it isn't siloed, it doesn't really tell you a whole lot about what's working or what the, the triggers are. Is Am I categorizing that right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, a lot of this stems from the industry that so we're in healthcare is Epic, the largest electronic health record company. Apple has done an amazing job collecting a lot of our biometrics. These systems aren't talking each other. A lot of healthcare, digital health folks have pontificated on whether Epic and Apple will get together at some point. There'll be an interesting merger acquisition. But to this day, this data is very siloed. There's been a lot of effort to make healthcare data interoperable, to use different HL7 um, standards, to try to make different entities be able to share data more easily. But we still don't have a great way to take data, anonymized records, thousands of patients and really start to understand across this data set what is working and what is not working. And we thought a lot about how could we gather this data in a way that was ethical and made a lot of sense to people. And it ended up being that we actually had to build our own virtual clinic to be able to do this. That's really important for us as a longer-term vision in that it's near-term improving access and quality, but long-term building up this real-world evidence.
2: Thanks for joining us. And if you haven't yet, be sure to join the Better Product community. We've got all sorts of content and resources for you. And if you want more audio, don't forget The Business of Product is our latest show to join the Better Product Network. And you can find that and more at betterproduct.community.